All right, you ready? A question for you as we start this morning. Do you ever go about your week, Kimberly just talked about it, feeling tired or exhausted, beat down, weary? I mean, do you finally, do you just, I'm running on fumes. God supply me with something. I'm just, I'm down, I'm out. I need something. I mean, is exhaustion and fatigue common in your life? If it is, recognize it's not just you. It seems to be a majority of people. I found some things out this week that I want to share with you because I even feel a little tired and exhausted, especially I feel exhausted and tired on the afternoon bus ride home. And as I was thinking about this this week and having a little tired just myself, I, I took an opportunity to get back home and I just want to Google because, you know, it's got all the answers, of course, on the Internet. And it's all true, like the Bible, right, Sheila? Everything on the Internet is true. No. So I, I Googled this question. What percentage of Americans feel exhausted? And I found an article written by Family Safety and Health Magazine, which happens to be a publication of the National Safety Council, that was titled this. Exhausted nation. Americans more tired now than ever. When included a recently conducted poll or survey, and here's the results about feeling tired and exhausted. Is that three in five Americans feel more tired now than they've ever been in their lives. In the study of 2,000 respondents, 59% say that spending so much time at home since early 2020, which we all know was the beginning of COVID, has permanently sapped them of their energy. 58% confess to feeling disjointed and unfocused, and catching a few moments of sleep does not appear to be a viable solution. Over half the poll, 55%, think that no amount of rest can help them feel focused during the day. Maybe that's how you feel. They have trouble keeping focused, you feel tired and exhausted. Survey also said this. They found the most common energy depleting activity to be poor sleep scheduling. 46% of the respondents. As the respondents begin to feel that dreaded energy dip, usually around 1.04 p.m. in that quite specific, 64% will reach for drinks that contain caffeine to give them boost in focus and productivity. Can you relate to these results? I think a lot of us can. I mean, I certainly can. I can share with you, there's days, as I mentioned earlier, I begin to really run low on fumes in the mid-afternoon. Now, for me, it's not 104. I don't know if it's that precise or not. But it seems to be exactly about the time I'm picking up the kids and taking them home on the bus. And so... I tell a lot of younger kids who left on the bus at the end when I'm yawning and really getting to the point where I'm ready to go home, I said, I'm going home and going to bed because I just feel like I'm ready to go to sleep. Because we just have so much fatigue. It seems to be common in our lives as adults. I mean, tiredness is extremely common even among children. This past week, we had, you know, talk about the cold weather and how it sometimes had a two-hour delay on Tuesday morning. I think Pike County had more than just with one day of the delay or without a school. Without a school even on Friday again because of the snow. But even with the delay and late starts this week, I had kids still falling asleep on the bus on the way to school. Like they're not getting enough sleep. So it happens to everyone regardless of age, how we feel drained or exhausted and tired and weary. So I began to ask myself this week, well, what is the anecdote of feeling tired and exhausted is it merely just the fact that we reach for a caffeine boost, this energy drink? 
your monster energy drink or your NOS energy drink. Sheila can't stand it when I drink some things, by the way. But occasionally it helps, or it seems to. Or do we reach for that cup of coffee to give us that boost we need for caffeine and focus on productivity? Kind of the follow-up, you will, from last week's message regarding strength through weakness. Today, we remind ourselves that we need to start leaning upon God. It's quite possible that we're depending on self rather than God, which can quickly, really quickly deplete our energy. When we start to focus on self and think that we can do it on our own, we run out of energy pretty quick rather than lean upon God. So today we look at Isaiah chapter 40, only five verses to consider today in part of a reading. But it's a classic reminder that God is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth, and has the power to renew your strength and to make even the weariest person energetic and strong. We're in Isaiah chapter 40, going to leap down to verse 27. 27 through verse 40, or 31, which is the end of the chapter. So stand with me this morning if you're able to, as we receive the word of God. Isaiah chapter 27, again through the end of the chapter, says this, verse 27. Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord, and my right is disregarded by my God? Well, have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faith. And to him who has no might, he increases strength. Even youths shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Well, Father, we thank you for this reading in Isaiah this morning, Lord, that can give us already a reminder of how we need to wait upon you, be confident and trust in you, and to lean upon you. Or there's too many times that all of us are guilty of trying to go through life and do things on our own effort. Today, Lord, remind us through your message and we begin to feel tired and exhausted is because we're trying to do things on our own rather than leaning upon you. Now lead and guide and direct us, Lord, let's receive your message today that you have for us to help us be strong in all we do. Would you get the glory? In Jesus' name we pray. Again, it's only five verses in the book of Isaiah in the middle portion and really the end of chapter 40. But notice that in the text, it's important to observe that Isaiah is prophesying to the Jews exiled in Babylon. At this particular point, they are few in number. I mean, only really a remnant remains. But it's been a long and difficult journey for all these exiles. And to say it's been rough is an understatement. So basically, the enemies of the, of the Israelites, the Jews, the ones in captivity, or the victories of their enemy, like the Assyrians and the Babylonians, even the Persians, made it look as though the false gods that they worshipped that were stronger than the God of Israel. So as a result, then, the exiles, as they find themselves at a particular moment, not only feel the pagan gods are stronger, but also that God has forgotten them. So understandably, they are on, they're teetering on the edge of despair. 
They have been in captivity for several decades. And now they find themselves beat down and discouraged and exhausted. And they begin then to doubt God's provision and care. They, they, they kind of say to themselves, I mean, God is not so powerful after all, so it seems. It seems the pagan gods are bigger and stronger than Essentially, they have lived their lives differently than what they expected. When they never saw themselves subject to under a kind of a mass house arrest in Babylon. And so they feel then abandoned from God. They kind of think to themselves, well, the direction of my life has taken a different journey than I thought that it would. I mean, I might as well just kind of fall off the edge of the earth because God does not notice. He does not care. He, I mean, any, anything I need has completely escaped his attention. So as a result, in, in feeling this way, they begin to question God's strength, his power, and his might. And even begin to question his presence. Like, where are you, God? I mean, you said that you would never leave me. Why do you not care about me anymore? Why is this happening to me? I need you, God. Where are you? In their state of mind, they're questioning God's presence, their strength, his might, his power, even his loving care. Leads them in despair, discouraged, mentally and physically exhausted. They are, at this moment, a beat-down, tired, weary traveler. Does it sound like you've been there? Could it also describe your path at some point in life or maybe even now? Because when you begin to think about it, we've all asked. I mean, haven't we all asked at some point, at some point in our life, haven't we asked God, where are you? In our heart and minds, we rationalize that, you know, we, we become Christians, become followers of God, and we rationalize our mind, well, God's word, I know it's all true, and it says certain demands in here, certain instructions and expectations for us, and it demands so much in our life that we try to fulfill that, but God now didn't even lift a finger to help us. And it seems to happen time after time where God just abandons. I mean, those may or may not be exactly the words that these exiles are feeling or expressing to themselves, Maybe that ain't the words coming from their mouth, but we know it's going to be something like that because in verse 27, you go back to the text, God is speaking. I mean, he, he says to them, they've been speaking and questioning God, but he says, why do you say, O Jacob, and why speak, O Israel, that my way is hidden from the Lord, and my right is disregarded by my God? Now, perhaps the verse seems a little confusing, so let me just paraphrase because what's happening here. Because if the exiles are questioning God, God answers back to them and during their questioning him. And he says, oh, Jacob, how can you say the Lord does not see your trouble? Or Israel, how can you say that God ignores your rights? But I begin to look at that and begin to think about that. And I'm thinking, haven't we all have moments when we think that God does not see our troubles? Does it feel our heartache that we're having? Look, we can all relate to the exiles as they begin to question God in this particular circumstance. But if you go back, I mean, it's interesting to note that the exiles, I mean, they seem to believe in God. We all do. 
But at the same time, they're going to question him. His presence, his might, his strength, his power. And as a result, I mean, God's questioning back to the exiles of verse 27 will really begins to reveal they have questionable faith. A, a faltering faith rather than an unwavering faith. So maybe we need to ask ourselves or just kind of reflect for a moment and say, does anyone truly have an unwavering faith? Do we really have a faith that's so solid, so constant, that it gets us through anything, or do we sometimes waver and it falters? But on a Sunday morning, I recognize how we can just have all the faith in the world. But when we get done on Sunday and begin the work week or the school week, and get away from church and begin to feel the daily pressures of the world, I notice how faith sometimes can begin to falter. And essentially, that's what's happening now like with the exile albeit much different circumstances than we find ourselves. But yet the results sometimes the same. You have a faltering faith rather than unwavering faith. And the Jewish exiles seem to have a, a bit of a floating somewhere between a struggling faith and a cynical defiance as they question God. And we often find ourselves in a similar position where we begin to question God. His ability, his power, his strength, his might, even his presence. We begin to question those things. Happens to everyone. Friday night, Sheila and I were at the house and we began to watch a movie called The Miracle Season. Not sure if you've seen the movie. It's a great movie. If you've not seen it, you might want to try to catch uh, to, to watch the movie. But it's a true story about an Iowa City West High School's volleyball team. And how their star player and captain named Caroline Found, known throughout the movie simply as Line, they just take the last bit of her, of her name and refer to her all the time as Line, but how she tragically dies in an accident on her moped. So the movie really begins to focus upon the team and the coach and their season. But there's also a portion of the movie that reflects upon Caroline's father. And of how a result of his death, her death, and at the same time, it's like almost a week after, he loses his wife to cancer. I mean, it hits him hard to lose your daughter in a tragic accident. And you're like, within days or weeks after that, to also lose your wife to cancer. So he begins to question God. He leaves the church and questions God. His, his faith essentially is faltering. He feels God does not care for him anymore, that God has abandoned him, and he truly questions God's power, might, and strength. And I think a lot of us have been there in a similar situation. Not exactly that situation, but we find ourselves a lot of times questioning God. Where are you, God? I can't feel your presence anymore. Have you abandoned me? Are you all powerful still? So the way now we just find ourselves there, but we can also relate into what the exiles are feeling and what they're going through, because when the exiles begin to question God's power, might, and strength, and begin to really doubt his provisions of love, what does God do? I mean, does God just completely abandon them and walk away? My God never does that. We never find any episode in life, never believe that God has ever completely abandoned you. But God has not and will not abandon you. He does not through the exile. 
So what he does for them is he goes the second mile with them. He already shown them earlier in this chapter, I know we leap down to verse 27, but earlier in the chapter, he's already shown them how no one compares to him. I mean, he is God. He shows them incomparability for the entire creation to God. We're going to read a portion of that in verses 12 through 26. My Bible actually calls that the greatness of God. And it's almost like when Job began to question God in, in, the, in the book of Job in chapter 38, God really puts Job back in his place and said, where were you when I did all these things? And so what happens here with also the exiles, when they begin to question God, is he puts them kind of back in their place. In verse 12, in this particular chapter, he's answering them as they begin to question his presence and his power and his might. He says, who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand? It marked off the heavens with a span. It closed the dust of the earth in a measure and weighed the mountains and scales and the hills in a balance. Further, verse 14, he says, Whom did he consult and who made him understand? Who taught him the path of justice and taught him knowledge and showed him the way of understanding? Verse 17, All the nations are as nothing before him. They are accounted by him as less than nothing than emptiness. So verse 25, he lays it down. He says, to whom then will you compare me? I should be like him, says the Holy One. Lift up your eyes on high and see who created these, who brings out their hosts or the stars by number, calling them all by name, by the greatness of his might, and because his, he is strong in power, not one is missing. In other words, what you find in verses 12 through 26 in the earlier portion of this chapter, we talk about the greatness of God. It's like God declaring, there is only one God, and it is me. I am the great I am. But God makes a point, as he often does, and gets the attention of the exile. Essentially, he says to them, hey, it's me. I'm God. I've measured the waters. I separated the firmament in the sky. I set the stars in the sky. I set them in motion. And by the way, not even the faintest star escapes my attention. I did all that. So you should know as you become confident that my eyes are also upon you. I have not left you. You are my people. I have chosen you. That's really what he says to them and begin to question his presence, his power, his mind. When exiles should realize that, they are Jacob, or they are Israel, his chosen. However they may see themselves, God has them under his covenant of grace. They still have a place in his heart. And the good news is, it's not just for the exile or the Jewish nation. It's also for us. So do you. So do I. When we begin to feel weary and tired, depressed, discouraged, exhausted, and perhaps even begin to question God's whereabouts, his ability, rest assured, he still has love and compassion for you. He has not abandoned you. You still, you still have a place in the heart of God. In fact, you never, 
never, you'd never need to feel so small that you wonder if God really cares about you. Don't ever feel so small and think that God has abandoned you or if he really cares about you. Because he really, truly does care about you. Personally. As verse 26 in that text mentioned, he knows of every name of every star. But he also knows your name as well. In John chapter 10, verse 3, is that to him the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. We are his sheep. Verse 27, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. You never need to feel so small that you wonder if God really cares about you. And the second point is this. The same God who numbers and names the stars can, he can, he will restore and energize your weary existence state of mind. He can, he will. Perhaps the key is this. You just have to let him rule. Give yourself truly and fully to him. Notice that God wants all of you, not a portion of you. I mean, being a follower, believer, Christian, a child of God is not reserved only on Sunday. It is 24-7, a child of God. Every day, every night, even of the year. Just let him rule. And when you begin to let God rule, when you let God reign in your life, he will truly give you all the power and strength you need for your journey. He will give you rest for your weary soul while simultaneously giving you strength to endure and continue. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. You will find rest for your soul. Or to feature text here in Isaiah, chapter 40, verse 28. He does not grow weary, grow, grow, he does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint, and to him who has the might, he increases strength. Let God reign. Let God rule. He gives you all the power you need and the strength for your journey. Jack Wellman says in his commentary. I am so glad Isaiah chapter 40 is in the Bible because even though it's written to Israel, there are certain applications for the believer today just as, as Isaiah writes that even you shall faint and be weary and your men shall fall exhausted. The waiting on God renews their strength and displays godly wisdom for their is an empowerment, waiting, resting, and relying upon God and not ourselves. Focused upon the last part of Roman statement. There is empowerment in waiting, resting, and relying upon God and not ourselves. No one is correct. There is tremendous empowerment given to us as we wait and rest and rely on God and not ourselves. In fact, not only is it empowering, it can lift your spirit. It can remove any, remove any unnecessary burdens that we tend to carry constantly in life. And, and when we carry all of our burdens, it can drain of our energy pretty quickly. Our burdens we carry can make us feel exhausted and tired and fatigued. 
and like we're running on fumes. I mean, how often do we needlessly carry our burdens? If we're honest and truth be told, it's all too often. But we don't need to. Matthew eleven twenty eight instructed to take my yoke. We're instructed by Jesus to take his yoke. Now, we're instructed by Jesus to take his yoke, but he's not going to force it upon you. We must freely come to him and give over what we can't carry by ourselves and just take his yoke. Of course, the yoke meaning the force, the army implement that spread out over the load so that one animal would not be overburdened or overwhelmed by carrying too much of the weight. In a similar fashion, when we take Jesus' yoke, it allows us to find rest for our soul and strength to continue. Maybe in the very simplistic terms, it's as simple as this. To cast your cares and burdens upon Jesus and to rely on him. This almost sounds too easy. Cast your care and your burdens upon Jesus. He'll take them. And just trust and rely on him. Now I think as a group of adults, as students here together this morning, as a group of believers worshiping God together, I think we know this to be true. I don't think I'm really telling you anything brand new today. I think I'm telling you, I think I'm telling you something you already know. I mean, I'm basically giving you a reminder of God's love, power, and strength. And I think we need that reminder. Because it's so easy to get caught up in our circumstances in life and forget or begin to question God's power and might. We begin to easily question God's sovereignty. Because often at times in life, we do feel like God has abandoned us. And when we feel like God's abandoned us, we have no choice but rely on self. But self-reliance leads to exhaustion. And that's kind of what these exiles are. In short, instead of seeing the open door that God always provides, the Jews saw only the long road before them. And they're complaining then they do not have strength for the journey. It's that God, what God is asking them to do is impossible. Remember, they are mentally and physically drained. And we, of course, can relate to that. I think all of us can relate to that. Because we put ourselves in a tiny box. When troubles begin to happen, we seclude ourselves at times and think that no one is listening and no one cares. Not even God. But the truth is that God knows exactly how we feel, and he knows what we fear, and he's adequate, adequate, very adequate, extremely adequate to meet our every need. And we should know that. And I think we do know that. But we just get caught up in the circumstances of life and forget that God knows everything about us and, knows, and cares for us so much. And, and we start even expecting a certain answer in our way, in our timing. And we get all upset when it doesn't happen accordingly. And then we have all of our little pity party by ourselves. I mean, at times, we become guilty of thinking our circumstances, the things we're going through, is bigger than God. But it isn't. One words be said, someone has defined circumstances as those nasty things you see when you get your eyes off of God. 
if you look at God through your circumstances, he will seem small and very far away. But if by faith you look at your circumstances through God, he will draw very near and reveal his greatness to you. I like the words of Worsby because it reminds us that God is greater than anything on earth and anything in heaven. But even because even when that is true, recognize God always gives us that open door. He gives us a way out. We, when we put ourselves in a situation, we can surround our circumstances, he still gives us a way out. He never places upon us more we can handle. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. But temptation, he will also make the way of escape. He opens a door for us. We put ourselves in the fix. He opens a door and helps us out. There's always a way of escape. We're never going to have enough strength on our own. But we can always trust in him and provide the strength that we need. With what Paul talked about in Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. So in a way, God often reminds us that our strength is not in self, but only in him. Sometimes it could be subtle, or sometimes it can be quite direct. But he often reminds us that our strength is not in self, but only in him. Now, as I say that, that third point, it kind of echoes what we talked about last week when Paul learned that he is weak. And when he is weak, God is strong. Remember, Paul talked about how he pleaded. He pleaded. He begged God three times to remove the thorn in his flesh. But God said, no, my grace is sufficient for you. My power made, my power made great in your strength through your weakness. God provides strength through our weakness. And when we become tired, weary, exhausted, we must really rely and depend on God. So the text in Isaiah is a reminder for us. Of it. it is a reminder for everyone who's weary and tired and faint and overwhelmed, discouraged, depressed. And Isaiah gives encouragement to, to everyone when he says in verse 29 that God gives power to the faint. To him who has no might, he increases their strength. Again, even you shall faint and be weary and young men all men, all women, all people shall fall exhausted. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up their wings of eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Another comment from Wellman. He says, Isaiah encourages the people of Israel. But I believe he encourages the believer today. Since we too must wait upon the Lord for our renewal of strength. We learn from experience. That the longer we wait for God in this timing, the more we are resting. And that rest gives us the ability to run and not grow weary and walk and not grow faint. However, this can only happen for those who wait for the Lord. I don't know if you're like me, but I don't wait often enough. Often people get to do things in my own time in their own way. I hate to wait. You go to McDonald's, the mic is working there, it makes no difference. You go to McDonald's, you just have to wait and wait and wait. I mean, Mike could work in there thinking, I'm going to get my order quickly today. I don't ha it doesn't happen. Yeah. You wait and you wait and you wait. If you're like me, we hate to wait. But we must wait on the Lord. 
rest in him and he will renew our strength. So maybe the maybe then we need to learn how to wait. So maybe there's interjecting here that resting patiently from the Lord does not equate to doing nothing. Because you're like me, you're thinking, okay, we can wait. I hate waiting, but I guess I can just sit back and read a book or play some games or whatever and just wait on the Lord. But it equates to not doing nothing. The word wait does not suggest that we sit around and become idle with our time. The word wait means to hope, to look for God, to look to God for all we need, which involves meditating on his character and his promises, praying and seeking to glorify him. But notice in verse 31, it's not just to wait, but even to renew. It means to kind of exchange, as like in taking off the old clothes that don't fit anymore and putting on the new ones. Like we exchange our weakness for his power. So as we wait before him, God then enables us to soar when there is a crisis, to run many challenges in life and to wait faithfully in the day-to-day demands of it involves waiting on the Lord, resting, confidence, and trust. Again, the question before us today is, are we running on fumes, resting patiently in the Lord? Are we weary? Because Isaiah essentially communicates this. If we rely and trust ourselves, we will faint and fall. We will become tired and exhausted. We will be this weary traveler through life. But if we wait on the Lord by faith, we will receive strength for the journey. And everyone's life truly is a journey. There's going to be peaks. There's going to be valleys. And relying on yourself is only going to make you exhausted. So when you become exhausted, drained, beat down, tired, weary, don't reach for the four-hour energy or the caffeine boost. I mean, the journey of a thousand miles begins with one step. And that first step must be to have faith in God and to simply trust in Jesus. I'm preparing, I was reading about D.L. Moody. You may have heard of Billy Graham, but many of us have not always heard about D.L. Moody. But D.L. Moody, before Billy Graham, was one of, considered one of the greatest evangelists of all time of ever to live. He worked tirelessly for the Lord. And one man asked him one day, he said, don't you get tired? Well, Moody replied to him, I get tired in the work, but not tired of the work. Which may sound a little confusing, but his point was this, that he never grew tired of doing work for the Lord. But he did grow tired, as we all do, on his own. The only way D.L. Moody, or for that matter, anyone, can carry on when we become weary travelers is to wait upon the Lord. He will renew your strength. You can fly like the eagle. I saw this. I want to share it with you before we close. It said, it is much harder to walk in the ordinary pressures of life than to fly like the eagle in a time of crisis. The key is to trust in God, trust in Jesus, and rely solely on him other than self. He will give you strength. Put a weary traveler. Father, so we thank you for this reminder today, Lord, of 
how we can find rest and how we can depend and rely on you. Lord, we recognize that in life we will have moments that get quite challenging. Circumstances begin to happen. Life unfolds, Lord. And it can leave us drained, weary, depressed, discouraged, tired. Sometimes, Lord, so much that we desire not to even carry on any further. I want to take a moment, Lord, today to pray for that person that may have felt like it's no longer necessary to carry on in life. That you're so depleted of energy and so drained, so tired of everything in life happening to them. They're so tired of it all, Lord, they just would rather not even live. If that person is here today, Lord, or even listening later, I pray, Lord, that you'll enter their heart and begin to stir greatly and let them know that all they have to do is to wait upon you and to rest confidently in you. And you'll give them all the energy and everything they need, Lord, to restore their soul and to give them strength. Well, let's just also pray that for ourselves today. As we go through life, we know it gets messy, it's upsetting, that sometimes, Lord, more than we can handle. And we do go through life at times feeling exhausted. So I pray, Lord, for all of us today to receive your strength, to rely upon you, and to trust in you. We know, Lord, confidently you can restore us, Lord, to make us whole again, to make us new. We thank you for your message today of how it reminds us of this. We know this, Lord. Let's today. Take us to heart. Help us today. Depend on you rather than self. In Jesus' name we pray.